Our next reading is going to come from the book of Nehemiah. From Nehemiah chapter 2. We're reading Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. Nehemiah 2, 1 through 8. In the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of the king Xerxes, when the wine was served to him, I carried the wine and gave it to the king. Now, I had never been sad in his presence before. So the king said to me, why is your faith sad since you are not sick? This could only be the sadness of the heart. Then I was very much afraid. I said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not be sad? When the city, the place of my ancestors' graves, lies, lays waste, and its gates have been destroyed by fire. Then the king said to me, what do you request? So I prayed to the God of heaven. Then I said to the king, if it pleases the king, if your servant has found favor with you, I ask that you send me to Judah, to the city of my ancestors' graves, that I may rebuild it. The king said to me, the queen was also sitting beside him, how long will you be gone, and when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me. And I set him a date. Then I said to the king, If it pleases the king, let letters be given me to the governors of the province beyond the river. They may grant me passage until I arrive in Judah. And a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, directing him to give me timber to make beams for the gates of the temple, fortress, for the walls of the city, and for the house that I shall occupy. And the king granted me what I asked, for the gracious hand of my God was upon me. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I've always loved music. Now, I don't have any musical ability. I can't sing. I can't play anything. I got nothing. My family, my, my wife, my kids, they have all the musical ability in the Stoddard family. I got nothing. I got nothing. But I do, I do love music. And music to me is one of those things like, um, like smell that can transport you somewhere. You know, music is one of those things that when you hear it, it can, it can take you back in time like a time machine. I was at a, I was at a, um, a gas station the other day just getting me, a, getting me a Coke and getting me something to eat, a snack. And as I walked in, I heard, I heard Sammy Kershaw playing on the radio. And I don't know if any of y'all remember Sammy Kershaw. He was a country singer back in the 90s and 80s, and suddenly I was taken back to the back road to Pike County, listening to King of My Double, Queen of My Double Wide Trailer, one of his famous songs from that time period. And I was like, if like it just took me back in time to another time and to another place. You know, that's what music does, doesn't it? Music has that ability to take you back in time. It's, it's very interesting what music, I think, does to the brain. Uh, they've done studies on individuals with Alzheimer's, as you begin to lose your memory and, and lose recollection of who people are, music is one of the last things that goes. And, and you see people that struggle with memory loss or, or Alzheimer's, something about hearing a song from their childhood or something about hearing a song from their youth brings you back in time, doesn't it? Music is music triggers the memory. Like I said, all it takes is hearing one of those old songs, and suddenly I'm that that kid 
listening up late at night. I always listened to the radio when I was a kid falling asleep. And living up, growing up out in the country, I could remember when I hear certain songs. It makes me think of my childhood. and It makes me think of, uh, of we, could, uh, we lived up close to the interstate, and I could hear them. I could hear the 18-wheelers going down the interstate. And certain songs take me back to that, that childhood memory. That, that's the music. That, that's, what, that's what smell does. You know, you, you smell a certain food or a certain, certain you, you walk outside after a rain when the dust has just been settled, and it takes you back to being a kid growing up, doesn't it? That, that, that's, what, that's what these things do to us. Our memory is such, a, such an interesting thing. Memory is such, such an interesting thing. Uh, the Bible knows that. We see that across all of Scripture how important memory is. We, we, we see it all across the Psalms. The Psalms are full of, of telling the story of God's people over and over and over again. Some of, my, some of my favorite songs recount over and over and over and over again God's goodness and God's mercy and God's grace and how God has saved his people. The, the Psalms, the Old Testament is full of it. We see it in the law. We see it in the patriarchs where every time, every time God does something, every time God blesses his people, every time God does a miracle, the the word always says that God will tell them to to build an altar, build an altar. And, And the thing about the altars of God was this, God specifically tells the Israelites to build their altars made of unhewed stones. What does that mean? That's a fancy way of saying it was just a bunch of rocks. That's all it was. It wasn't pretty. It wasn't some fine altar. We think of altars like our altar here, here, our altar table. But in the Old Testament, the Jews would build altars that were literally just a pile of rocks. That's how when you go to Israel now, you can tell which one are Jewish altars and which one are pagan because the pagans are pretty. And the Jewish altars are just a bunch of rocks. But when you read the text, you see the reason why God has the Israelites build a bunch of rocks there is because one day they're going to be walking down the road with their kids. And the kids are going to say, Daddy, why is there a bunch of rocks in the middle of the road? And you were to say, because we were once slaves in Egypt. And the Lord your God He freed us from slavery. You build the altar there to remind yourself, to remember, to remember what God has done. Scripture is full of so many admonitions, so many commands to remember, to remember. Because I think we're I think we're prone to forget. We're prone to forget, aren't we? Like, look at these, these kids. They come down front. They're so cute. They tell the stories, and life is so beautiful. And faith is so beautiful. And it's so childlike. And I think we want for these kids that remembrance of that childlike faith, don't we? I think that's why it's important for us as parents and grandparents. As you read the statistics, how so many kids, when they hit college, leave the faith. It's the numbers are staggering. And I think one of the reasons why so many kids leave the faith is because they struggle with the remembrance of what was an authentic faith and what was a pretend faith. We as parents and grandparents and 
We need to make sure that the faith we live out in front of our children on Tuesday is the same faith we live out on Sunday morning. I think sometimes if, our two, if those two faiths don't connect to each other, they're not the same. If we're one way in church on Sunday and another way in the afternoon on Thursday, it's hard for a kid to reconcile that, which is true. We do need to make sure that our faith, I would much rather you have an authentic, imperfect faith than a fake, perfect faith. I would rather you be authentic in the reality of your faith, trying to do the best you can to be faithful than to pretend to be pure and holy and not have it all and, and really not be that. Better, be, better to authentically love Jesus with all that you are than inauthentically pretend to be somebody you're not. That's where our kids struggle, I think. And that's why I think a lot of them leave the faith because they find out that the faith their parents lived wasn't really a faith, but it was a show. Our faith must be formative, not performative. It must be real, not a performance. We want our kids to have those memories, don't they? Of a real life-giving faith that we model for them. Bible's full of so many commands to remember. And I think the reason is because we forget. We forget. We forget these things, though, because life happens, y'all. Life happens. We get busy. Holly and I were talking about something the other day. She, t- she recounted a conversation that she and I had that I am sure we had. I do not doubt the reality that we had that conversation. I just didn't remember it. She told me what I said. I said, yeah, that sounds like something I'd say. I'm sure that I said it. I just have no recollection of it. We forget. We forget. I think that's why Scripture is full of so many calls to remember. You know, we're studying Nehemiah during the season, during the summer, looking at Nehemiah every Sunday. And and Nehemiah recounts how Nehemiah went and rebuilt the wall. And we're talking about how in our church right now, we find ourselves, we have to rebuild the wall. That's why, that's why we've got our little bricks that Beth Beth referenced. If you didn't grab a brick last Sunday, I want you to grab one today. If you're going to commit to rebuild our church, rebuild the ministries of our church, I want you to grab, I want you to grab a brick take it home with you, or take it to your office. I got a brick sitting in front of my computer where I look at it every day and remind myself, how am I being faithful to rebuild our church? How am I using the gifts that God has given me to rebuild our church? How am I using what I have to rebuild St. Matthew's to be the church that God is calling it to be? Not the church we used to be, but the church that God's calling us to be moving forward. We need to remember. That's why we have these, to remind ourselves and to remember So in Nehemiah, we see him today. We see him go before the king. He's the the cupbearer for the king. Big deal. It's like he's the assistant to the regional manager, if you're an office fan. I mean, that's what he is. I mean, he's Dwight. I mean, he's a big deal. And so he's before the king. And he comes in, and the king sees that he's sad. That sadness on, on his, deep in his soul. And he says, why are you sad, Nehemiah? And notice what he says. Notice what he said. He said, that Jerusalem, the home of the graves of my ancestors, lay in waste. The home of the graves of my ancestors lay in waste. And he was sad. Not for himself, 
But he was sad because he remembered. He remembered his people. He remembered his people. And he resolved within himself to go and to rebuild and to remember his people and rebuild what lay in waste of his people. Remember. We got to remember, y'all. We got to remember. I I don't know how many of y'all are on on Facebook. And if you are, I'm sorry. But if you're on Facebook, um, every day you log on and you see memories, don't you? See memories. I, I've been getting a lot of, of memories recently of, of COVID. You know, all the all the stuff we did with COVID. I, I get I see memories of sharing drive-in services and drive-through communion and, and video devotionals that I put up. Y'all got to see my stupid face a lot on Facebook. I'm sorry about that, y'all. I, that, I, that's awful. That would scar me if I had to see myself that much. But I remember these things. And I remember how much it hurt my heart not to be physically in church with y'all. I remember how hard it was that first Easter to have to be online only. I remember how much it hurt not to be able to do communion. I remember how much it hurt not to be able to pray at this altar. And I remember... And I renew that remembrance each morning when I see it to resolve to never take Sunday morning for granted ever again. Do you remember how much it hurt? Remember how frustrated it was? Don't lose that memory, y'all. Don't lose that memory. Don't lose it. Because that memory reminds us of why it matters. That memory reminds us of how good it is. That memory reminds us of how joyful it is. There's a great line I love by Stephen Curtis Chapman, one of his songs, where he said, there's no one more thankful to sit at the table than the one who best remembers hunger's pain. If we remember what we could not have, if we remember how it hurt, if we remember how it was frustrating, if we remember how painful it is, we will never take it for granted again, y'all. We can't. We mustn't. We shouldn't. We have to remember. Nehemiah remembered the graves of his ancestors. He remembered And that remembrance was motivation for him to rebuild the wall. That remembrance of his people was motivation for him to be faithful. That remembrance of what was not was a motivation to be faithful to what God was calling him to be. Remember. Remember. We we have much to remember. Nehemiah remembered his people. We must do the same. We must remember our people. We must remember 
Y'all, that's why inside baseball here, spoiler alert, we did not just have the food truck festival because I love tacos. Now, let me be clear. I love tacos. That was part of it. Let's be very clear about that. I love a taco and a snow cone. Okay, that's good stuff right there. But that wasn't the only part of why we had it. We had it because we need to be reminded we like each other. And that hanging out is fun. And that being together as a church is fun. That we enjoyed. And that this fellowship, this body, this community, it matters to us. We need to be reminded after years of being away and apart. We need to be reminded of what a great blessing and what a great joy we have here. That's why we're doing fun stuff. That's why we're going to a ball game. I'm not a Braves fan. I'm a Giants fan. I don't even like the Braves. I'm still mad about 1993 when they beat us by one game for the wild card. Sports, I remember that. They traded for Fred McGriff, dadgummit. That first year we had Barry Bonds. Will Clark had a great year. Not that I'm bitter about it, but I don't even like the Braves. I hope Daniel right here is this. You tell him I said, you tell him I talk bad about his Braves, Will. You tell him I talk bad about him. Yeah, but guess what? We're going to go to a Braves game. You know why? Because we're going to have fun together. And we're going to be reminded of why we like each other. That's why we're pushing Sunday school in small groups. We need to be reminded to come outside and play. Reminded of the importance of community. Reminded of how important this body is to our faith and to our families. We need to remember that, y'all. We need to remember that. We need to remember who's not here. We look around and see folks not here. And we need to remember their faces. One of the big shifts I had to take in my life, in my ministry, was the concept of, of being the attendance police. Now, I've never liked being the attendance police. You know the attendance police. You, hadn't, you, had, you missed church for a couple of weeks, somebody calls you, and you feel defensive because you hadn't been to church in a while. I, this, I, I, re, I made this change when I, when I was in pedal. Um, any y'all, I don't know if any of y'all are in CrossFit. If you're in CrossFit, you're in a cult. I hope you know that. It, it's a straight-up cult. Let's just be clear. I'm a band parent. Band's a cult. I understand. I'm just saying it's a cult. So when I was in pedal, and, you know, CrossFit, they always got to do it at 4 o'clock in the morning, some stupid time. So when I was in pedal, I, w- I, wasn't, I wasn't crazy enough to be in a real CrossFit. I was in the knockoff CrossFit. I was in the Y Extreme, which is CrossFit for dummies, basically. So I was in that. And, of course, we had to do it at 5.30 in the morning because, of course, you do. And they got you out there at 5.30 in the morning flipping truck tires. You're doing the rope thing. And I would rather sleep because sleep is awesome. I'm a fan of sleep. I'm not a fan of doing the rope thing at 5 in the morning. So I stopped going. You know why? Because I like to sleep. And about a month later, I realized, well, I hadn't been there in about a month. And I probably need to go back. Because it is good for me, even though it's stupid, it's good for me. Uh, but if I go back, they're going to talk bad about me for having not been there in a month. And for the first time, I realized what it felt like to miss church. Because I knew I needed to go back. I knew it was good for me. But I was a little shamed and a little embarrassed. 
And I knew they'd all probably make fun of me and say, where are you being, Stoddard? I didn't want to do it. But finally I did. And you know what I, you know what I found when I got there? Everybody's glad to see me. Nobody talked bad about me. Nobody made fun of me. They were all glad that I was back. It's like I never left. And that made me realize for church, if we're going to tell you, because y'all, let's be honest, we hang our hat as a church on this one. We hang our hat on relationships, don't we? That's what we're about. Well, if we're going to hang our hat on that, and we're going to tell you that relationships matter, someone not being here, you not being here matters. Our church is lessened when you're not here. Our community is not what it needs to be when you're not here. If we're going to say relationships matter, then someone not being here should matter deeply to us. It should matter. We are lessened by that absence. We are lessened when they're not there. We, that relationship matters. So we need to check on each other. We need to look around. And see who's not here. Who do we miss? Who are we lessened by their absence? And call them. Reach out to them. Tell them that they are missed. That they still have a place here. Because they do. We need to remember. Remember why we love this place. Remember who's not here. And y'all, we need to remember the lost. Like, I want to get back everybody who's not with us right now. I do. But, y'all, there's folk all around us who don't know Jesus. There's folks all around us who have never heard the grace of Jesus and have never accepted the salvation of Jesus Christ for themselves. And they got to know Jesus, y'all. They got to know Jesus. That's what we're here for. We are not here to be the Rotary Club, no offense to the Rotarian, 2009, Rotary of the Year, Ripley, Mississippi. Love the Rotarians. We're not the Rotary Club. We're not a civic organization. We are the body of Christ sent here to worship and serve Jesus Christ with all that we are. We are here to proclaim a message of salvation to a world in desperate need of hearing a message of salvation. There are folk all around us who don't know Jesus. We got to remember that, y'all. We gotta remember. We we don't need to be so comfortable in our routines, and our stuff, and our wants, and our preferences, and our comfort that we forget there are folk who do not know Jesus. I almost feel like asking for an amen on that one, y'all. Because if we cannot orient ourselves and motivate ourselves and tie ourselves together on that truth, then we have no reason to exist. That is what we're here for. We got to remember that, y'all. We got to remember that. So, what do we do about it? When Nehemiah remembered the graves of his ancestors, when he remembered his people, he left the king. They're going to rebuild. What will we do? What will we do? 
Our community needs us. Our people need us. And the world needs us. We're called to rebuild. I keep my brick where I can see it. As a reminder to do all that I can do with whatever God has given me to rebuild. Nehemiah remembered his people and it spurred him to be faithful. Today, what will we do? Let's pray.